0: Luke chapter 16, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain the first few verses and then I'm going to read from verse 9 onwards. So Luke 16 is an interesting passage. Luke 16 is one of those passages that can make you scratch your head a little bit. Because what happens is Jesus starts telling this story about a guy that's going to get fired because he's like a wealth manager, an asset manager you might call him today. And what happens is that the manager's about to get the sack because he's not been looking after the wealth very well. And the, person, the rich person's coming to him saying, hang on a minute, you've not been managing my estate, my property, my wealth very well. I'm going to find someone else to do it instead. But he doesn't sack him on the spot. And so the manager decides, well, what am I going to do? I can't do another job. I don't have any other skills. I don't really want to beg. I know what I'll do. I'll go round to this master's debtors, the people that owe him money or wheat or whatever else it is, and I'll slash what they owe him. Because then that'll make me friends so that when I get the sack and I don't have a job, they'll probably take me in or be kind to me, right? And the funny thing is that that happens. And then he goes back to his master and his master says, well done. You've been shrewd with the resources that you were given. Now, I wouldn't expect the master to say, well done. I'd expect him to say, how come you've been writing debts off that you had no authority to? But he says, you've been shrewd and you've made friends for yourself. And then we hear these words, beginning in verse 9. This is Jesus speaking off the back of that slightly unusual parable. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If I was going to paraphrase those words, I would paraphrase it into something like, Use worldly wealth with an eternal perspective to seek true riches. Use what you have well in a trustworthy kind of a way. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. So serve God, use money, and use your money to serve God as well. I think that's what Jesus is saying through this passage at the end of that unusual parable. And that's what I want to use to help us think about our topic for today. Last week, if you were here, you'll have heard me talk about the vision of St. Peter's. This picture of a preferred future. That's one way that a vision has been described. Because I want us to aim everything we've got, all our time and our prayers and our resources behind this vision. And it's really important that we all know what it is and we're comfortable with it. Our vision is encapsulated in those words on the screen that it would be in every sphere of Berry, as it is in heaven. Every person that lives in Berry, every corner of this town, Every sector that makes it up, by that I mean business, arts, culture, education, home life, and everything in between. Everyone, everywhere, and every sector would experience the goodness and the blessing of God. Experienced fully in the kingdom of heaven, but which is advancing here and now. We get those words, don't we, from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, teaching people how to pray, says... Pray your kingdom come God. Your will be done God on earth as in heaven here and now. And we've translated that into Berry and into every part of Berry. Last week I mentioned that to pursue that massive vision there are three main pillars, three things that we want to see embedded in the life of this church to help us move more and more towards that grand vision. The first, to recap, is wholehearted devotion to Jesus in worship and prayer and Bible reading and living it all out. This is people giving everything they've got, all of their lives, all of their days, all of their resources, everything they've possibly got to glorify Jesus, living in devotion to him. I picture this as a furnace kind of a community where the fire of our passion for Jesus is burning red hot. And then every time we gather, it's like we stoke the fire again. We let some more oxygen in and let it roar so that the glow increases and more and more people around us get to see and experience the goodness of God. Second pillar, transformational growth in Jesus through discipleship, training, leadership development, all done in the context of a close-knit community. This is people being transformed as they live life in relationship with Jesus. I said last week, didn't I, that if you were part of, if you went to a therapist, say, and after six months, nothing was really changing, if you were part of a weight loss group and no weight was really being lost, you'd start to question whether it was worthwhile, whether it was doing what it said it was going to do. So many people sit in church for years and years and years and nothing's really changing. and That's not because God doesn't want it. It's sometimes because we're not cooperating. I want us to be the kind of place where people grow, where year on year we can say they're being transformed. Look at them. They're growing in their gifts. They're rising to their potential. I see this as a greenhouse community where the conditions are set just right so that small mustard seeds of faith grow into abundant harvests for God's great glory. Third pillar then, multiplying faith with Jesus through evangelism, mission, compassion, and church planting. People giving away what they receive from Jesus into the lives of others. Now everyone thinks that when you give something away then you then lack it but the good news is with Jesus when you give it away you get to keep it and they get to keep it. It multiplies as you pass it on faith grows. And that's what Jesus said he's looking for when he comes back to earth. Am I going to find faith on the earth? And I want to see the faith that's in me, the faith that's in you, the faith that's in us, multiplied into the lives of many other people. I want us to give away his love in compassionate service, to give away his message in sharing the faith with those who've never heard it, I want us to give away his design for life in mission and in church planting to do in other places what we're trying to do here. Visually, again, I think of this as a springboard kind of a community where we're each propelled further than we could reach on our own because of the community that's established here. And as we're propelled further, more and more people, in Bury, but even in time beyond, get blessed by the goodness of God. I hope that this is a vision that excites you. I hope this is a vision you think, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to contribute what I've got behind that? I hope that now, in the time when you pray, you might get the nudge of the Holy Spirit to say, hang on a minute, you've got that gift in you, haven't you? And that sort of lines up with that bit that he was talking about up the front. How about connecting the dots and seeing what you could contribute to this? I believe that this is a vision that's going to take all of us and so many more as a place for you to establish this with your gifting, with your prayers, with your resources, with everything else that you've got. That vision and those pillars are the things that brought me here, if I'm honest. Sensing God lead us to this. And it was on the 27th of September 2021 that I was licensed here. So in two days' time, it'll be a year to the day. This is the nearest Sunday to an anniversary, so I'll expect all your gifts at the end, don't worry. But it's this vision that's got me going this whole year. It's been hard at times, but pursuing this and seeing little glimpses of this coming nearer and nearer, this is what keeps you going, right? When the battle's raging, to see the advance, the progress that could be, is what keeps you going on. And one year in, I guess we're just getting going. We've barely taken a step towards this. And there's a whole race to continue to run. Everyone who's a part of St. Peter's, you guys sat here. If you stick around, know that this is what we're going to be doing. We're not deviating. We're not changing course. We're not going to go in a different direction. This is what we're here to do. And there's a church mentor of mine that always said, remind people that change is here to stay we're going to keep trying things and some of them will work and some of them won't we're going to keep reinventing things that are currently going on we're going to keep pursuing new stuff and we don't know exactly what's going to happen but we'd rather fail trying than never do anything at all we'd rather fail forward in the pursuit of something than just stay here in the comfort in the safety because while we do that there are people even within a stone's throw of here that aren't getting to hear about jesus and that is the biggest crime of all. I want to give you a bit of an update now on some specific things that are going on that fit into these three sections. Things that have been going on, but also sketch a bit of a picture about what could happen. And then at the end, we're going to see how we could each invest our resources to bring this about. A couple of things to say, as I know, always happens when you start to talk about money. A few things that might dispel some myths and help us all stay on the same page. Some of this is encapsulated in the little giving booklets, which I hope you've had passed around uh, for you to take home or to use today. Some of it's in here, but I want to say a few things overtly from the front. My intention is to speak about money in an extended way, if you like, once or twice a year. This isn't something we do every week. This isn't something we make the whole subject of the talk all the time. Some people say, oh, churches are always going on about money. I don't think they actually are, but that's certainly not the intention here. And oftentimes I remind people that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about a lot of other things that we give a lot of airtime to. Not just giving, but how we treat our money, how we use it, of course. But I want you to know this is the first time I've done this in this whole year, So once or twice a year is when we're going to give people an opportunity to step in in an extended kind of a way. Second thing to say is we don't receive any funding from the government. We don't receive any money from the Central Church of England. Some people seem to think that because you're part of this, you must get funded by the state. That is just not true. Very occasionally, grants and things might become available for specific projects. But by and large, we receive no funding from outside ourselves. Everything that we do... Everything we want to do is funded from within this community. And so if we want to do new things, we need to see new resources given in. The funny thing is that, in fact, quite the opposite is true. A lot of what we receive, we give to the Church of England through the Diocese of Manchester. And that particularly supports churches in areas of significant deprivation. We're happy to do that. We think it's a joy to bless them and to hopefully play our part in seeing every church in this diocese come to a bright, flourishing future. Thirdly, then, to reiterate, everything we do is funded from here. We are the ones that bear the costs, and we consider it a joy, as we'll come to in a moment. Sometimes we can get grants and funds, and of course, that's great, but I always think of that as like the icing on the cake, not the cake itself. We are the cake. (laughs) The grant is like the icing. We get them, and they're great, but they're bonuses. We can't rely on them. We can't plan for them. We can't build a church off the back of them. So here are some specific things that have been going on in these areas, hopefully to excite you, to remind you where we forget, but also to say this is what we could bring about if generosity increased in this church. I'll start with wholehearted devotion. So what's going on in our worship and our prayer life? Well, think of it, it's only since Easter that a lot of the tech stuff that you see has been in place here. And that's enabled us to worship in a completely different way. Wasn't it so nice to have Jethro back leading us in worship live? That really kind of wouldn't have been possible a year ago. It was certainly a lot harder work, as I think Jethro will attest. And yes, that makes a difference here because we can offer different kinds of worship that might reach different kinds of people. But also remember what that's made possible with the schools that come to visit, for instance. We had this place packed to the rafters, all the spare chairs out at the back just before the summer holidays, as a whole school community came over for their end-of-year assembly. And because of the stuff that you see around you, we were able to do things in an engaging, flexible, age-appropriate kind of a way. And one of the teachers came and found me during the assembly as it was still going on, and her jaw was slightly slack. And she said, we've never seen anything like this before. She was excited to come back in the future because of the possibilities that had opened up to do worship in a really exciting kind of a way. Thinking about prayer specifically, Jason and I have been talking a lot about the Tuesday lunch club that meets and trying to make that a bit of an engine room of prayer, but then also catalyzing a conversation about how could we get some of you guys praying more, because I know that a lot of you are busy on a Tuesday lunchtime. What would it take for us to become the praying church that we're committed to? We're excited to see that continue and step forward. It's important to remember as well that the numbers of people worshipping here are increasing bit by bit by bit in individual lives, in individual families, week by week and month by month. Numbers are growing and that's not to show off or to say that we're wonderful, it's to say that God is drawing more people into his church. He's drawing more people around him to form a community that might change a town. That's exciting and it's what we're here to continue seeing transformational growth then? Well, I would say our community life is growing. I love coffee between the two services and mixing people up, and hopefully you found that warm and welcoming. Please let me know if not. I remember the Jubilee party in May, seeing loads of of people that I'd never met before come and want to be part of it. The thing that excited me was that that was probably the most diverse thing I've seen here at St. Peter's so far. It looked kind of like Berry, People from all backgrounds and walks of life. And I was like, if we could see that on a Sunday, wouldn't that be exciting? As we see people from everywhere, all across Bury, from all across the world, come and worship him together. We put out our Sunday messages um, on a podcast. And periodically, I just check to see if anyone's listening and if it's worth it. And you know, it's being listened to in almost every continent around the world. People through the week chewing over God's word and the people that have explained it to them, chewing over what they make of that, going through that. Subscribe if you're not currently. But remember that what's going on here is sending ripples far beyond. Yesterday, as Joe mentioned during prayers, Jason and Joe and Chris and Kate, four members of our church, were part of a a learning community, I guess you might call it about how do we see faith be not just a Sunday thing? How do we see it spread into every area of life? How exciting to send four people to learn some stuff, to hopefully bring it back here, so that we all might grow and develop and give every part of every day to our Lord and our Saviour. Behind the scenes, we've started uh, working with our PCC, our elected board of governance people, I suppose you might call them. We started working with them to say, well, how can we work towards this vision? Setting up different groups to tackle different parts. It might not sound super exciting, but actually all of those things are like efficiencies. Little groups of people getting together to say, how can we pray more? Isn't that exciting? Not, how do we keep the roof up? We need to answer those questions. But I think the prayer stuff's more important than that, right? And we're getting a PCC now excited and working behind it. We've got plans to run some leadership development training later on this term, equipping people to lead here, but maybe even more excitingly, to lead in society, to lead in their work, in their home. And key here, too, is our hope, which will one day be a reality, I'm saying it in faith, to employ a kids and a youth pastor. In about three or four weeks' time, a really key meeting's happening where we have applied to one of those icing-on-the-cake grant funders. And their early indications are good that they are going to give us the money we've asked for, potentially even more, to take someone on who can spearhead this work for us. They're not going to do it all. They're going to build a team. But wouldn't it be amazing if there was a group of people, maybe in the side room, maybe over the road, meeting right now, who are not to 18 or whatever we start with, learning about Jesus in a way that really makes sense to them, coming back excited with what they've seen him do as they've started praying for each other. We want to be an all-age community. And at the moment, we are working towards that. But hopefully before long, there's someone who's going to be like, this is my passion. This is the thing that I'm here to bring about. In the borough of Berry, there are more than 40,000 people who are not to 17. 40,000. And I would imagine, and I don't have these stats to hand, that barely any of them are part of a church or know Jesus really, really well. 40,000 across the whole borough. And on our watch, we say that's not okay. It's not right. And we're going to respond to that in every way we possibly can. please pray for that grant funder, but then also please pray for us because we've still got to find the other half of it. But we'll say yes in faith if they do. Finally then, multiplying faith, what's been going on there? Well, Alpha's running again, as I mentioned, and we'd love for you and your friends to get involved. We're hosting soon uh, an event with an organisation called Home for Good that are looking to see uh, a loving home for every child or young person who enters the care system in this country. And specifically in Manchester, it's really exciting. They're focusing a lot of their attention at the moment on Bury, partly not all, but partly because of some of what we've already done. They're looking to see the hundreds of people that are waiting for a foster carer, an adoptive parent, a supported lodgings host, which is like 16 plus, as they transition into adult life. They're looking to find a loving home for that and saying, church, could you lead the way? Next month, there'll be loads of people, hopefully, from churches all over Bury. Press switch up to like Ramsbottom, Rottenstall Way saying, how could we play a part? Maybe we could do it. But maybe we could support someone else in our church who can do it. We're seeing faith multiplied in them and in that way, and it's really exciting. On a Tuesday morning, Kingdom Play comes and takes over this place. They've outgrown the parish room, and so a group of little ones, preschoolers and their parents and carers, take over the back of church. It's transformed, and they are engaging with church. They're getting comfortable here. There's a little girl who comes and just stares at the stained glass because she finds it so mesmerizing. She loves being in here. And yes, we want it to go forward. But seeds are being sown and a foundation's being set. Not too long ago, because of your generosity, we were able to give about 500 pounds worth of school equipment and uniform to kids who would otherwise maybe have struggled. We started this thing, Tools for School, and you gave so generously. And right now... Pens and pencils and uniform is in a person's home or in a child's school bag ready to go tomorrow because you were generous. We're showing the love of Jesus to people who don't currently know all about it. Messy Church started brilliantly again this term. 20, 25 kids and about the same number of adults taking over the church and the grounds, having a great time with games and activities and crafts and then worship, looking to, in this case, the God of creation saying, thank you that, God, you could create all this. And thank you that in the midst of all of that, you know about me. Again, faith is growing. Seeds are being sown. Schools, I totted up in putting this together, that since January of this year, this church, through me or Jason or another representative, through our two linked primary schools, we've been involved in things to do with governance, governance. Um, 14 different times. Long meetings often. 14 times makes it sound a lot smaller than it actually is. We've led worship either there or here 15 times. 15 minutes in their day to think about the bigger things, to hear a Bible story, to pray. We've taken lessons for an hour at least, either here or at school, 12 different times. Opportunities to explore like what is Easter? What's Pentecost all about? Why are Set up the way they are. Probably every year group in both schools has come here or had me go there since January this year. And yes, bit by bit, things are growing. The foundations are being built. Finally, on this, before I move on, we've committed to working towards an eco church award. We know that God has given us this amazing creation, and for too long we haven't looked after it in the way that we should. So we're committed to working towards this award, looking at everything we do and saying, how could it be more sustainable? How could it give greater honor to the God who created it all? It's going to be a long-term project. It's going to involve all sorts of things. But we're moving in that direction because we want to tread lightly on this earth as part of our worship of its creator. That's some of what's been going on, some of what's in the pipeline and I find it really encouraging and quite exciting to just step back and think, "Wow, actually some stuff's happening. You know, day by day it can feel like not very much. But you take a step back and you realize God is really at work. And of course, I guess to zoom out even further, to make all of that possible requires like this building as a bit of a base for a lot of it. So we've been doing all sorts around here. We'd love to put Wi-Fi into the office so that people can actually work from here, you know, 21st century style, with things connected, not downloaded um, from next door. That's going to take resources, but it might make possible after-school ministries for kids doing their homework or not quite able to go home yet, seeing this as a safe space. It might enable us to do things for people who might be digitally excluded You know, people, everything's going online, but they don't have the internet at home and they can't get a doctor's appointment. Why not come here? And then we can help you through that. So many options will become available if we can just put it in. We've had some urgent repairs, they're called, uh, given to us by our architect. Things that we need to do to this building just to keep it warm and dry. Um, There are times when you don't need to look outside to see if it's raining. Let the reader understand, we need to do things to keep this place upright and warm and dry for everyone. Thinking about that again, we'd love to open up as a warm space for people who are going to really struggle to heat their home through this winter. You know, maybe a day a week, heating the little room here and saying, come use this as your living room. Have a drink, have a chat, play some games, meet some other people. But that's going to cost 50 quid, if not more, every time we do it. And right now, we don't really have the funds to do it. But there's things on the horizon that we would love to start moving towards. So all of that to say thank you for all that you've done that's brought that about. Please be encouraged that other people are working in those other areas and things are happening. And this is just the one year, barely a step beginning. There's so much more to come. But as we think about the more to come, I'd love for you to grab this, if it's with you, this little giving booklet, which encapsulates some of what I've said, um, answers some of the questions that people often ask. And through it all, I guess, I just want to ask you the question, would you give towards this vision that I've painted? Would you play a part financially in seeing it come to be? Now, of course, money's not the only way it's going to come to be. We need people, we need prayers. We need all sorts of things, but money is a key one that sits behind it all. Being really honest, all giving is really appreciated, but the thing that helps the most is regular giving, planned, so that we can budget and look ahead, saying we know what's going to be coming in. It's not completely dependent on that Sunday giving. I find personally that a standing order from my bank to the church account works really well because I can never forget it, it just goes it's not whether I remember that month it just flies out and I've made it so that it's the first thing that goes out in the month because I want to honor God with the first fruits like Sarah was leading us to as we prayed it's the first thing that goes out because it's the thing of first importance Others might use envelopes, might use cash, might set it up online. Some people are writing legacies and putting us in their will. Whatever works for you, all giving, goes towards everything that I've been talking about and the many more things to come. Thank you to those of you who already give. And maybe today is a day to say, could I give more? Do I need to give less? Could I just review it? Finance changes, doesn't it? We make a decision a little while back and then something else moves and we need to move. So maybe today is an opportunity not to think, shall I give? Because you're already doing it. But could I give more? Do I need to review it? In the Old Testament, God's people gave 10% a tithe, you might have heard it called. And what would happen in this principle of first fruits is that as they started to bring the harvest in, they would give literally the first 10% to God. So if you had a huge field, the harvest from the first 10% went straight to God, Now, they would do that at a time when they didn't know if the rest of the harvest was going to come in. What if the weather turned and then everything rotted? What if the sun didn't shine and the rest of it didn't grow? But they were willing to give the first 10% to honour God and trust him that he would look after them with what was to come. At festivals and on other important occasions, in today's terms, think like Easter and Christmas, they would also be giving that they would offer on top of that 10%. Some scholars totting it all up reckon that the average giving was more like 20 to 25% through the year. Now I think that Jesus in the New Testament, he said that he fulfills the law. So he doesn't abolish that, but he also doesn't hold us rigidly to that. 10% shouldn't be seen as like a ceiling to your giving, but maybe just the floor on which you build a generous kind of a life. I don't think a tithe is therefore like mandated I do think and in my own life it's proven to be a brilliant principle a good framework a starting point to say okay here's what I think I should give to God and then everything on top of that is increasing generosity and something that I want to grow into if I'm going to become a generous person like God has been generous to me I want to give you a couple of minutes now to have a pray I guess to maybe to flick through this to grab the pens that are on the pews and pass them down if needed But to think, okay, I've heard all of that, what am I going to do? What's my response? Maybe you're a guest here today and your response is to think about giving to your own church. Please contribute there before you ever do anything here. But if this is your church or you want it to be, could you start giving if you're not? Could you review it if you are? And just before I give you a couple of minutes to fill this in, to pray, I just want to lead you to that verse on the front. Those verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You you will have seen it, you couldn't have escaped it. In the news at the moment, everyone's talking about how difficult this next season's going to be. Bills going through the roof, inflation doing this and that, politicians having to respond, and I could give you my own take on it, but it probably wouldn't be much use. But in the air at the moment is a lot of unease. A lot of people bracing for the future, not quite knowing what's to come. And into that context, I read these verses this week and they struck me between the eyes. In the midst of a very severe trial, the Corinthian church gave and actually fought to give. Things weren't going well for them. They weren't storing up great wealth. They didn't give out of an abundance. They were in poverty, extreme poverty, it says here. But with Paul, they fought for the opportunity to give to another church. They so wanted to do it that even In great trial, even in extreme poverty, their overflowing joy, their rich generosity welled up and they gave even beyond their ability. They urgently pleaded with Paul for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Those Corinthians show us that we don't give according to our circumstance. We give because God has given to us and he calls us to give as part of our worship to him. To be clear, what we're talking about is equal sacrifice, not equal giving, right? Some of us will have more. Some of us will have less. It's not about the amount you give. It's about the proportion and the heart behind it. Because as each of us give a little, we can achieve much with our God. If things are really, really hard, then we'd love to um, be in touch with you. We'd love to offer the help that we can in prayer, in signposting you to people like Christians Against Poverty and other people that we're aware of. Opening up a topic like this opens up all sorts of stuff for each of us. Please get in touch with me with those details, but please also get in touch with Carolyn, our treasurer, if you've got questions about the nuts and the bolts, about how it could work, about gift aid, which Joe reminded us of, where the government do give us, I guess, 25% for all those who pay tax. Please get in touch with us beyond today.